off, we're gonna tear the roof off, the mother sucker. Tear the roof off, the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up. Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Base Orphan 18, and tonight we will be discussing three episodes, Mattress, Sectionals, and Hello. My guest with me tonight is HeyJealousy09, and you can find them on Tumblr under the same name. Okay, so um, let's jump right in okay. and talk about Mattress. I, like I said when I messaged you, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes, and I feel like it's extremely underrated. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to actually talk about that because I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that. Even though I, I think Mattress is a great episode, I've never heard anybody say that. So I'm really interested in your thoughts. Well, for me, I do feel like it's a very underrated episode. And I feel like a lot of times it gets kind of like in that filler episode category because it does happen before such a big episode, like their first sectionals. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it kind of gets forgotten a lot. But the, there's a few reasons why it's my favorite. But definitely... One of the main ones, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I actually really enjoy Mr. Shu. And so, for me, the scene between him and Terry when he finds out that she's faking her pregnancy is, to me, such an important relationship scene for them. Um, Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's, you know, say what you will about the whole um, Terry and Will fake baby thing throughout the, these episodes in the first 13, that scene is actually, I, I agree, is really kind of amazing. Um, it's so tense and it's so, like, heightened. And you'd think that, you know, after all of this, it's just going to be played off for laughs because Glee does comedy, but it just goes such in, in such a dark turn in it. It is. And it's so, it's so well acted, too. Like, even, the, like, their look on their faces in that scene where it kind of gets them in a close-up, you know, like, after he, like, lifts up her shirt or whatever, like, they're, yeah. it's that close-up scene where nothing's being really spoken. It just is so amazing to me. And a line that Will says is one of my favorites, but he says, why did you do this to us? And I think yeah. it's very important that there is a distinction between him saying, why did you do this to us, and why did you do this to me? I think it's very mm-hmm. important that he says us and not me, because... Mr. Shu gets a lot of hate for allowing Emma to kind of flirt with them and kind of not discouraging her. But I think in that moment, you really realize that he does see him and Terry as a team. And I think even though Emma was flirting with him and there was obviously something there, I don't think he ever would have pursued it had this not happened. He would have been with Terry forever. Had, yeah, especially if they're if the baby had been real. Yeah, that that 
very much would have, even if it was, they always kind of had, um, I don't know if destructive is the right word for the relationship, but I think that they would have made it work in some respects had there been a baby, but um, this is kind of, this kind of pushes it over the edge, that relationship over the edge, and um, it's kind of amazing to me that Glee does this sometimes, that they decide to take these real moments and these tense moments and these dramatic moments and, and go with them and, and ha you know, there's so much of Glee as a comedy, but it, it can really get to some strong emotions there as well. Oh, for sure. And to me, I think that was the first scene really in the whole series where we saw true drama. Yeah. And it was yeah. so... and. Terry even says it. Like, I think it reveals a lot about Will himself and kind of why he threw himself into this glee club and into these group of kids. Because she even mm -hmm. says something to the effect of, this relationship works because you don't feel good about yourself. Yeah. And so he's obviously very insecure and seeing these other kids be insecure and feel like he can kind of help them so they don't lead the life that he's led, I just think says a lot about him as a character. Yeah. Yeah, there's a it's it's nice to have the end of this rather ridiculous plot line come to head in a way that really does talk about a, a relationship and and how two people, you know, work or don't work in the, in this respect. Oh, yes. And like her admitting that Quinn was kind of in on it. That Quinn knew. And so not only did she betray him, but Quinn, one of the kids that he felt like he was helping, was also going to end up betraying him in the end. Yeah, never really thought about that, but yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, let's jump into the uh, current-related stuff here. And um, going back to the beginning of the episode, um, Kurt, in the first season in general it does a lot of the exposition parts of it where you know something has to be explained and, and Kurt will 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 give the audience what they need to know but I, I do think it's interesting because the writers do that to him he seems very knowledgeable about whatever is going on and in this case it's the yearbooks and how you know these yearbooks have been um destroyed by by people or by the popular kids or the jocks or whatnot and how that um, defamation has effects later on on other kids' lives and, and how um, so he's on the up and up about like maybe this whole idea of being in the yearbook and, and um, even though we're coming together as a team is not such a great idea because look what's happened in the past. Yes, which is two of the more extreme scientifically in one episode. Because <laughs> it's True. so ridiculous that, you know, the guy grew up to be homeless because his yearbook picture was defaced. True. I mean, and I've never, like, we had yearbook photos in our library, but I don't ever remember anyone even touching them, let alone defacing them. That oh, just yeah. Seems I like... don't think we ever, I don't, to be honest, I don't even remember us having them in our library. We probably did. But, yeah, like, I don't ever remember us having them in our library to be defaced. Ugh. That's, yeah, that's. I'm surprised that the librarian wouldn't get on that or something like that. It's weird. <laughs> Suddenly, it's been such a weird little vortex here. So. And I feel like a lot with Kurt kind of saying it, and I feel this way about Kurt a lot in season one, is a lot of self-preservation on Kurt's end. 
Like, yeah. really, season one Kurt is not ready to be the kid that other gay kids look up to. No, not at all. Not like, ready ev- to accept that role yet. And so him being like, I don't want to be in the yearbook in this particular picture, it's just another way for him to kind of keep building up those walls. Yes. Absolutely. And and just, I mean, where the rest of the kids kind of, I don't know if they just, you know, um, sorry, Brittany and Santana, for example, were defacing yearbooks later on when they're sitting with Quinn and they don't seem to, you know, they're like, okay, whatever. But when, when Kurt starts going in on like this backstory, whatever, it seems like everybody was like, okay, whatever about Rachel's like, you know, push to get them in or shoes push to get them into the yearbook. And it's not until Kurt's like spells it out that they're all like, oh, maybe we should think twice about this. But I, I agree completely in that he's doing this out of his own self-preservation. He's done this research and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to follow the path of these, you know, other former Glee Club members. Yeah. And I think, too, I think that also kind of goes back to the the moment with Rachel where she's talking about the gay lesball. Yeah. He's not... <laughs> One, I don't think he really wants to hang out with Rachel any more than he has to <laughs> at this no. point. And two, it's again, he doesn't want to be seen as the gay kid and have everybody look up to him. He's just not ready for that yet. And this this yearbook picture, I think, to him is terrifying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially you know, scenes I, you're. I, Right, and that, like, I can't believe that these people, like, the Patches was out in the library, or as a homeless man in front of the library, and this other girl is, like, stabbed in the head, I mean, just for being different, and, and, you know, he's really different in the eyes of McKinley, so, oh, man. But Yeah, he's definitely um, not ready for that yet. No. <laughs> um, yeah, the gay lesball thing, I love that little moment, it's, it's... Just when she's doing her um, little, first of all, the fact that Rachel is in, like, all of these clubs, even, like, the Black Student Union and the Muslim, uh, the club, it was, it's so funny. It's such a funny little montage. Yes. But I love it. Oh, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it's so funny that they, that these other clubs allow her to do this. (laughs) Well, you see in the yearbook photos, they're like, I was like, get out. Like, I appreciate your support, but get out. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> um, but I love the moment with Kurt. And this comes right after hairography. I, I think that's important a little bit in that, like, she comes to him and is like, let's start this whole thing. And, and he's like, did you just miss, like, all of this, you know, other stuff? I'm not going to even deal with your crazy. This is insane. Yes. And anytime Kurt kind of is sassy and does a little eye roll, I love those moments. Yes. I mean, he doesn't have a single word. He just gets up and leaves. Yeah. Cause he, and I feel like... At this point in their friendship, relationship, Rachel kind of knows Kurt well enough to know how he's going to react, but she does it anyway. Yeah, well, she's kind of like that with everybody, but yeah, especially with him. Yeah, and so he's just kind of like, I don't even need to respond to you, so I'm just going to walk off. Yep. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's interesting. She goes on, the next part is she goes on to try and find a co-captain. And I really wish she would have, they would have shown her trying to go to, to Kurt because she goes to Brittany at one point. And I'm like, yeah. she's gotten to Brittany. She's already asked Kurt. Yeah, like I feel like she's kind of moved down the line. And I hope somewhere in the Glee vault that scene was filmed and for whatever reason it got cut and we'll eventually see it. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I would love to see not only Kurt's reaction, but what Rachel said to him to try to talk him into it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, is it another scene, like, the the gay lesball thing where he just, just gets up and leaves again? <laughs> and it, yeah, that could have been it. They could have been like, well, we've already seen that once this episode, so we're just going to cut that out of this one. <laughs> but, like, it's funny, because in that, in that little montage scene of her asking everybody, like, Artie kind of makes it seem like it's better for her not to be in the picture with him. And I wonder if Kurt also kind of had that thought. Like, you don't want to be in this picture with me. Oh, you yeah. Want, you know, you want the Finn or even the Puck. You want somebody that's more above me, in a sense, to be in this picture with you. And I don't think he would have said that out loud, but I wonder if that would have been his thought process. That's a, I never really thought about that. That's totally one way it could go, definitely, that he'd be like, at the same time, I can kind of see it the other way, too, where he'd be like, you know, I'd be front and center in this picture, and there's no way the two of us would be able to, like, you know, I'm just thinking about that scene in season three when they sing um, the um, Wizard of Oz song, and at the end, they're, like, trying to outshine each other. Oh, yeah, and they're fighting for the front hand space. Yep. <laughs> oh. I mean, there's just so many different ways that it could possibly go, and, and I think they're all valid. It's it's interesting to, to go down these different paths, so... Um, so Rachel, you know, um, I love the, the little scene when they decide to vote for who gets to be captain because Mercedes and, and Kurt are so quick with, we nominate Rachel, seconded. <laughs> yep, they, they knew. And I mean, I think, again, at this point, they kind of know Rachel enough to know that she's going to take on this role and right. she's going to want it. But yeah, like him just being like seconded, like yep. he doesn't hesitate. It's a, It's almost like they went. And planned it beforehand. Like, I'll go yeah, in, I'll nominate Rachel, you just say yes, and we'll get this whole thing over with really quick. I bet you the whole club was in on it, too, because you, the rest of them, they're just kind of sitting there silently waiting for somebody to say Rachel's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I really do love this episode. One of the other reasons why I love this episode is a lot of the Kurt and Mercedes moments. Oh, yeah. And I feel like later on in the seasons, because Kurt and Rachel kind of took over that role almost, especially, you know, season three. And so I feel like we got a lot of good Kurt and Mercedes moments in this episode. And I think it really said something about their relationship. Because even in some of the background scenes, they're usually sitting next to each other or they're standing next to each other. Like, even if they're not really interacting, you kind of still see them as a unit because they're together a lot. Yeah, and they play off each other, and their background moments a lot of time play off each other. I mean, it's it, it, like this scene with the the nominating of the captain, but also like when um, when Rachel is announcing that they're going to do a mattress commercial, um, they're already striking poses and, and giggling off of each other and getting excited with each other, and it, it is so nice to see see that relationship but it's also as i've talked about before in a lot of the other podcasts mercedes is such a a good and warm person and to see kurt have that kind of friendship especially at the beginning of the series when he's still struggling with so many things um just to have that ground and that foundation of her friendship is really really awesome to see and him being so excited the look on his face when rachel says mattresses still cracked me up to this day he is so excited to sell mattresses. I love how excited they all are. And she's so like, we're going to sell mattresses. And everybody's so happy. And I love that because, like, and I, I think this also does say a lot about Glee in general. Like, if you were just watching the show and it wasn't so well acted, you'd be like, 
they're selling mattresses. Like, why is that even exciting? But you get excited for them because they all are like, yes, let's go sell some mattresses, guys. Like, they just get so into it. And so you get excited. Like, <laughs> I love. It. I wonder if they, like, is this a local famous mattress store, too, yeah. that they all know? <laughs> it's like they all secretly, like, this is like their mall. You know, mom is so small. They're like, oh, hey, guys, let's go hang out at the mattress store, and we'll just, like, lay on some mattresses for a couple of hours. Man, we never had a mall with a mattress store, but I totally would now, man. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna I love it. Out and see, you know, see what's going on. See if anybody's playing jump or anything. <laughs> I lo- okay, so getting into the mattress ad, which I think this whole sequence has got to be one of my favorite things in season one. Um, starting with the really bad script that, um, uh, <laughs> Just the way they read the lines, especially Puck when he's like, we lost our job at the factory. <laughs> and he's like, this isn't a local ad. Yeah. And it's so funny because the guy who wrote it, who I still think is Kripke from the Big Bang Theory, I still call him that all the time. Um, oh, I, I wonder where he looked familiar. <laughs> yep. And yeah, I see him now and I can't even remember what his real name is. I can't even remember what his name was supposed to be in this episode. To me, he will forever be Kripke. Uh, <laughs> But he's like, this, you know, my script is brilliant, if I do say so myself. And I'm like, you have to admit it's terrible. But it's also I mean, the way they deliver it. Then think about what this ad is saying. You've lost your job, so go buy a mattress so you can <laughs> stay in bed all day. It's like, don't go looking for a new job or anything. Just go buy a mattress. Everything's going to be okay after that. <laughs> I love it. I love that Glee does that because its sense of humor is really twisted that when you think about it, you're like, oh, man, that's hilarious. I just, um, yeah, and it's definitely, like, even when, you know, Mercedes says a line like, oh, when I get famous off this, I'm never going to speak to you again. And then yeah. they read it, and they're like, this is not going to make me famous. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yet they're all, they're all there, like, acting as if it was. I love... Kurt's moments in the in this scene. Well, first when he's like totally judging Puck for his awful reading of the lines, <laughs> but also the whole time he's like like posing to make sure that if he, there is a camera, yeah. he, he's on it. He's got his hand, like he's got his little hand on his hip, and he's like, mm-hmm. And then the ad. I love this musical number. I love it. It's so full of energy and adorable and they're just all so much having fun and then there's a bunch of mattresses and yeah and you can tell that the cast really had fun filming this because you oh, can yeah i can understand it. why oh, jumping on yeah. all the time <laughs> i would love to jump on mattresses for eight hours a day like sign me up for that commercial <laughs> I kind of love that there's this moment where Artie is just lying there and he's chilling and everybody's jumping over him. And, <laughs> and if I was Kevin McHale in that moment, I would be so nervous because you know, I know. That somebody accidentally fell on him or jumped on him or knocked him off. Like, he did not escape this injury free. <laughs> but you see him later when he's off to the side um, and he has like a little sign that says jump on it. <laughs> Great. Now, isn't this one of the times that Chris broke something? Didn't he? Or was it? I'm thinking of something else. I think this is, I think something about his toe in this episode. Yeah. I think there was something where he like sprained his foot or his toe or something. And I think it was because he, I 
and I may be completely wrong, but I remember him saying at one point while they were like jumping over, he knocked into somebody else. Oh. And I don't know who that was, but I remember, yeah, I, I think it was that episode because I remember him saying something about jumping over and they kind of collided. Yeah, and I think so. I just know there's a lot of time. Oops, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know that happened probably more than once. Yeah, Chris got hurt quite a bit. Yeah. On, on that, especially in season one for some reason. Yeah. But, no. Yeah, and then there's Kurt's moments, which uh, there's like two or three of them that are just, there's the running backwards, come hither thing, which is and adorable. That is probably my favorite Kurt moment the whole episode. <laughs> it's just, I love it. So, it's kind of so, so unlike him, really. Yeah, well, at the same time, you know, I noticed it, like, kind of in Push It, too, or when he's doing performances, he kind of goes all out. Yeah. And, and does he, things that aren't always necessarily what you might consider he would do. Yeah, not the baby penguin he saw himself as. Right. And so, yeah, like, but it really, it cracks me up. The look on his face, the running, I mean, just everything about it just really makes me laugh. And I was and then the, watching that little... Point three seconds over and over again because it's just so curt and it just uh, and up every time. There's also that moment where um, it's actually Mercedes hitting the high note, but he jumps out from behind the mattress. <laughs> that one too is just <laughs> like I'm here. <laughs> and and I almost wonder if that was another like oops, like he fell or something, and they no. he just had decided to like keep going with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd have to watch it again because uh, I never noticed. I, I'll have to watch for that, but that's kind of cool. And but really, I mean, you can watch all the characters, and and just so many people are doing such funny things during this whole thing. I, it's and awesome. It, to me, this this particular musical performance is one I think you need to watch over and over again and focus on different people during the performance. And yeah. See, because you, when you're trying to watch the whole thing, you end up focusing, you know, on the person that's singing. Right. But watch the background people. <laughs> you know, I've never really watched. Well, I'll have to watch Brittany and Santana because they're usually entertaining in the background. Yeah. Um, hmm, but yeah, They really crack me up. And then um, there's one moment, and I think it's Puck, and I would have to go back and really watch it again. But there's one moment, like, where you can kind of tell – that Mark broke character a little bit. <laughs> and then he kind of, like, turns and he gets right back into it. And I can't remember exactly what's happening in that moment, but you you can see it on his face that he broke character for just a second. Oh, that's funny. That's it's, a sh- it's a shame Glee never released bloopers, because I'm sure there are some great ones. And I'm still extremely bitter about that. <laughs> Hopefully on that, you know, much-wanted, you know, 50-year anniversary vault edition or whatever. <laughs> oh, I want bloopers. So I would, who do I have to pay to get these yeah. And they're like, they're, I think I, their one excuse was that there was too much swearing or whatever in them. And I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, I mean, no. just bleep it out. Yeah. Like, it's, we've probably heard worse on other television shows by Ron Murphy. Right. <laughs> so I have to wonder, this local ad comes out, why? Because I'm pretty sure if, like, my friends or even if people I knew were on TV, it would be a big deal. So did this thing never air, 
or, you know, I have to wonder about that. And I've wondered about that, too. And I almost wonder if maybe there was some scene where, like, Sue got it banned or something. You know how <laughs> she is. Because, yeah, like, no one ever mentions this commercial again. Ah, what a shame. And I'm like, where where did this commercial go? Like, you know it aired at least once because Sue sees it. when she. Oh, right. So you know it aired at least once. But does no one else watch this news station? Probably not. Maybe it's just... DVR happened back in 2009, so maybe people just skip over it. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. Because I don't watch local commercials, so maybe people did. I don't know. But yeah, like, I feel like it was kind of like, oh, we're doing this commercial, it's going to be a big break, but then we're never going to talk about it again. Yep. Um, so then it kind of, Kurt's really not in it till the very end. Um, we kind of skip over all of the, the drama and, the, um, it kind of just comes up in, in, he comes back in, in Smile, the last group number, and he's fixing Artie's tie with the, the guys are all getting ready. I and, love that. Yeah. I love, I love any time Kurt is interacting with any of the other male characters as an equal. You know, and I didn't really think about that until just now, that he, because he, usually he's with the girls exactly. and this kind of stuff, and yeah, I know, he's with the boys, getting and, ready. You know, he's helping Artie, and you see him, like, he, like, kind of rolls Artie up to look at himself, but of course he's checking himself out, too. Yep. You know, and so, yeah, I really love that they, that they show him getting ready with the guys, and it's kind of this male bonding moment. You know, and it, it's kind of, um, I mean, they t- end up taking the picture, and it does getting get defaced uh, by Karofsky and I don't know is, is Zemio there? I don't remember. But. Yeah, I think it's them too, and then like a couple other people that we never learned the name of. Right, and don't they draw a skirt on Kurt? And boobs. And boobs, yeah. Um, but I, it's nice to see that they they took it anyway, and and you know, joined together as a team and you know, bonded and. And even like. And they look genuinely happy in the picture. Yeah. That was good. Like, you could tell, like, yes, they probably really didn't want to take this picture, but they did seem genuinely happy at the end to be taking it. Yep. And I really liked that. And that picture comes back, too. I mean, it's hanging in somebody's locker at some point, and I think we see it, um, I don't know, a couple of times just to show. And I think... I think you see it on Rachel's phone at one point. Yeah. So yeah, like it does it does make its a reappearance in several other episodes. Yep. Okay, so anything uh more you want to talk about mattress before we move on? Nope, I think that was everything. Cool. Um yeah, no, I will agree though. I will I will say that I think it is a little bit of an underrated episode. I think there's a lot of really funny moments and and uh and along with the very seriousness of the Will Terry stuff. And, um, yeah. Okay, moving on to sectionals, which, of course, focuses more so on um, on the Finn and Quinn and Rachel and Puck and, and that. Hey, and then Mama we have drama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but... Um, We've got our great little Kurt background moments in here, um, starting with when Rachel is all, like, she's finally getting clued in, and how Rachel did not pick up on this sooner, it's really kind of 
mind-boggling. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where where like, have you been this whole 14 episodes? <laughs> but I love that, like, when she's going off about, oh my gosh, maybe Puck is, you know, something's going on with her, him and Quinn, and, and Kurt's just like, okay. And, she, and then she starts talking about her psychic ability, and he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's you. It's so funny, because again, I love Chris Colfer's facial expressions. And oh, he does yeah. such a good job just not really having to say anything, and you can kind of tell exactly what's going on through his mind. But you can see the moment to where he totally writes her off. Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, God, just please shut up. <laughs> and this leads into probably, again, I keep saying this about all of these different moments, but really one of my favorite moments in season one is the um, multi-phone call. Why they did not employ this more often, I don't know, but I think it's brilliant where they all start talking to each other on the phone. Yes, and I love how it's filmed. I loved how, like, really... Even though everybody was in the Glee Club and everybody liked each other, like, you really got to see a real friendship. Especially, I think, where Brittany and Santana, and then everybody else is concerned. Yeah. It's really got to see that they they do genuinely enjoy talking to each other. Because they've obviously well, traded by members. <laughs> and it's also um, uh, that they, you know... There's all of this drama with the quote-unquote A cast, that all the B cast is, like, all the kids are getting together and, like, gossiping, and, and of course, Brittany, and they include Brittany and Santana in on that, and I love that. Yeah. So they're like, okay, guys, this is what the drama's going on now. And I think it's funny that they all kind of, like, team up, I hate to say against Rachel, but to kind of keep it quiet. Like, they are trying to do what is best for the Glee Club as a whole, even if it's detrimental to Finn. Right. They're kind of like, well, we've got to preserve us before we worry about him. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, and even Santana and Brittany, too, even though, uh, like, later on, Santana says, you know, I'm not going to do anything to mess up Glee Club. It's my favorite part of the day. Yeah. And so I think all of them, along with, you know, enjoying all the gossip with it, they, they really want to preserve this really great thing that they've got going. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, I have to call out the moment where, San, I think it's Santana, that, or I don't remember which one of them says it, um, you know, if uh, dating was sex, then, uh, or if, what is the line? I think, I think, oh, I think Brittany says, if sex were dating, then me and Santana would be dating. Right. And the look on Kurt's face is, he puts it away for later, like, huh, I'm going to yeah. think about that. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to remember to ask them about that. <laughs> that is an interesting thing I did not see coming. Hmm. And I do wonder, because now that we kind of got the Kurt and Brittany, like, walking each other down the aisle, I mm-hmm. really have picked up a lot more of their interactions and in episodes. And I think, looking back at that episode, I wonder if that moment was kind of Kurt's, like, I could be friends with her moment. Like, hmm, these, these, both of them in a way, just like, (laughs) there's more to them than I thought. Yeah, like you kind of see underneath a little bit of their cheerleader, I'm too good for this exterior a little bit. And so that was one of the first moments between the two of them, really. 
And really, when you think about it, like, here are these two girls that are having sex with each other. And, you know, so it's like, oh, they're having gay sex. Hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that layer added on to it. It's There's a lot of things I could read into that book, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For days. For days. I could, and to be honest, like, that whole phone call, there's like, so much going on in that phone call that it's easy for other stuff to kind of get lost. Oh, yeah. Like, well, and then... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. When Rachel walks by Mercedes and them, and she's like, hey, hot mama. And then <laughs> Rachel's looking at her like, you have never said that to me before, ever. Like, I love how the, it's filmed, too, because it's in two shots. I think in the Mercedes and in the Kurt Dina shot. And so they kind of just follow, the, ca- the camera follows, and you see Rachel in these two different shots. It's really, I like that. Yeah, like, that, that the whole scene, I, and I do wish we had gotten more of that kind of as the series went on. But yeah, like that whole scene just is pure Glee gold. And to me, that's really what Glee was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and just to, to jump back to, I'm um, talking about um, how they're kind of, uh, not really against Rachel, but in these three episodes, I noticed um, in particular, in particular, and maybe it's based off of the hairography stuff and, and wheel stuff before that, Kurt's kind of not really nice to Rachel at all in any of these episodes. And mm. in this particular moment, he's like, you know, I'll lock her, tie her up in my basement. Yeah. And the fact that she has damn talent. But, so. Yeah, and what does he say? Like, I volunteer my basement or something? Yeah. Granted, his room is in his basement, but anyway. I about that, too. I'm like, so you're just going to hang out with her? Like... <laughs> What does that mean, Kurt? What? You know. yeah. It's like, what are you going to tell your dad? Like, just ignore this girl that's chained up down here. She'll be fine. <laughs> it's part of his murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does crack me up. And, like, I do wonder sometimes if what the conversation between Kurt and Rachel were about those moments, like, now. Oh, later on. Yeah. Like, did he ever be like, you know, I threatened to lock you up in my basement, but we're cool now, right? (laughs) Well, I'm sure later on, too, he will threaten to do that again. I feel like that kind of agitation, I don't know if that's the best word, with each other, ever really goes away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. During their midnight madness, he probably was ready to tire up. (laughs) Just plain stop talking. Okay, so um, then we get um, we get Mercedes solo, and this is such a gorgeous moment for Mercedes. I I love her voice. I love how she performs, and um, Kurt does too. He's like in tears when she's singing. Yes, he's so. And I think I think Kurt looks at Mercedes when she sings the way we all look at Mercedes when she sings. Yeah, like he just has this look of awe and wonder, and and it's almost That's- like. That's that's my friend. My friend can do that. And he's so proud of her. And I love that. I love that. I mean, I, I don't want to put down Hummelberry friendship because I do think there's a lot of good merits to that. But I, I, I love that it's just kind of this pure, like, adoration of her and, and joy. And, you know, I, I, just like she can do these wonderful things. And she's so amazing. And I'm glad everyone else can see that, too. Yeah. And I, I do hate comparing 
Hummelberry to Kurt Sadie's because they are such different relationships and they're built on very different principles. But for me, I never felt like Kurt and Mercedes was competing against each other. Right. It was pure, unadulterated respect for each other's talent, and that was it. And I love yep. Hummelberry. Do not get me wrong. I love them. But their relationship was built on competing against each other and right. who could outsing, you know, the other and who was more talented. And, I mean, that's kind of Rachel's relationship with pretty much everybody on the show. Yeah. That's true. Because Mercedes and Rachel, and you see it in this in this episode, have that kind of similar uh, competitive relationship, too. And I think that both Mercedes and Kurt get from Rachel through their friendships. It's the competitiveness, but it also is the challenge that they are challenging each other to be better people and better talents and um, kind of growing through that kind of thing, too. So I do think that there is merit in Hummelberry and in the Rachel Mercedes friendship. Yeah, and there's another, again, a little Kurt and Brittany moment during Mercedes' solo that I think is kind of important that I didn't notice the first 1,500 times watching it. But towards the end, when she starts belting out that really last note, it mm-hmm. shows Kurt, and, you know, he's all shocked. But Brittany has her arm on Kurt's, Brittany has her hand on Kurt's arm right before they start clapping. Like, she reached out to him to, in my mind, almost as like a grounding. Like, oh. look how good she is. And it's just this... I've never noticed that before. I want to go back and look at that now. Split That's so cool. second moment. Like, it is, it is just a split second. But yeah, you see her when she goes to clap, she takes her hand from his and they start clapping. And it's just this to me, again, it was just kind of this Kurt and Brittany moment that no one really saw. And, you know, it was probably Heather and Chris, but <laughs> more than yeah, it was Brittany. Who cares? We can make it. We can do all the Kurt and Brittany because I like Kurt and Brittany. I do, too. But I felt like it, it, it was this moment, I think, really the first time you really saw what Mercedes could do. And mm-hmm. I think even Brittany was, was reaching out to Kurt to be like, are you hearing this? Yeah. This is amazing because she's kind of sitting in this like weird position, not with Santana for once. Oh wow! She's leaning more towards Kurt, and I I just love that little. I mean, it's not even a second, but it's there, <laughs> and I just love that little moment. All right. Well, moving on, we have um, two more moments of uh, Kurt throwing Rachel under a bus. Um, we have the scene where um, Finn and Puck are beating the crap out of each other, and Finn wants to know, or somebody wants to know, who told Finn, and Kurt's like, it was Rachel that told him, and she's like, no, and it was like, yes, it was. Yep. Um, and then there's, um, the second one is um, when she's trying to um, boost everybody's morale about sectionals, and um, she's like, uh, going third is great, and th- I did this every time I auditioned for a play, and he's like, how many of those were you actually in? <laughs> and so there's just little digs at her all through this episode. <laughs> yeah, I I actually forgot about that. The, um, and how many roles, did, or how many of those did you get until I rewatched it recently? But yeah, like he, to me, that moment, he's... He's digging at her, but I think he's doing it for good reason. Like, she's trying to, like, pep everybody up, and he's like, let's be realistic. 
Yeah. And I feel like Kurt does that a lot. Like, he's very, he's very much a realist, and he doesn't let emotions get too high. But it, yeah, I completely forgot about that until I rewatched it, and I almost laughed till I cried. <laughs> uh, now, we have to take a second and talk about um, the sectionals format, because I, I don't know about you, I, I didn't do show choir when I was in choir, but I didn't do show choir, but just Glee and its in its sectional episodes or its competition episodes are just so ridiculous <laughs> and not based in any form of reality. No, no they're not. <laughs> and then there's just no way that they could possibly go on without a set list. Without you know, they're uh, but at the same time, the judges are never like. I it always amazes me that they're always so worried about the judging when the judging is completely arbitrary for the most part. Yeah, and it. This sectionals in particular cracks me up because they act like there's so much time in between people's sets. Oh, I know. <laughs> so you would go on, and I, I do love the scene between Finn and Mr. Shu where he's like, "You forgot your keys," and he's like, "No, I didn't." I love that little scene. So I love that they did it that way to like give Finn time to get there and you know do his leadership thing. Mm-hmm. But it does crack me up about this episode because I'm like. Seriously, you would be there all day if that was the case. Like, you're supposed to be right. there at and 11 a.m. It's midnight at this point. I can imagine if there was more than three teams performing. Like, if they all had to be there and it was, like, an all-day 20-team performances. But no, there's only three teams. You're going to be there for an hour. You're, you're each performing <laughs> for six minutes, thereabouts. You're going to be there for an hour. <laughs> like, it's not, it is not a huge all-day event, guys. But we have time to completely remake our set list and come up with choreography that we're going to perform flawlessly and go on. <laughs> oh, man. It's amazing that they won. <laughs> it really is. And it's so, and it does, it's so funny because, like, it even, and I love when Glee makes fun of itself. Those are some of my favorite moments. But, like, later on, and I think Sam's the one that says it in season four or five, maybe, but he's like, why do some people get to perform one song and some people perform three? And I'm like, that's where that episode is where all these jokes are based on. Oh yeah. <laughs> cause it's just so when you really sit and think about it, cause there are, I mean, this, this episode is really uh, good and, and it has a lot of really good tension and, and it just, it, it's a lot of really good humorous moments. But when you really think about the logic of it, it just falls apart. <laughs> Oh. And so that's why so. you can't think too much. Just yeah, exactly. Good can, episode. Don't overthink it and just move on. <laughs> and really, we can enjoy the, the nice performance of uh, "You Can't Always Get What You Want" and um, Rachel's uh, "Don't Rain on My Parade." Yes. Is, is on here. So. And I mean, they're great. That is a great performance. The whole thing is amazing. So just sit and listen and enjoy, and don't yeah. look too hard behind the mirror. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're pretty good for learning choreo- choreography on the fly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's perfect. Like, no one messes up. Come on, Glee. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, kind of moving towards the end, because there's, then there's a lot of the Will-Emma stuff, and, and we jump right to the end, um, where they win, uh, and they got to show their little trophy. And um, another one of my favorite moments, um, my, my Life Would Suck Without You, Um and the thing that I love, love, love about this particular performance is that every 
single thing that they're dancing to is a piece of choreography from a previous number. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, you just, I mean, and I can't even name them all, but, like, when you sit and you watch the whole thing, you're like, oh, that's from, uh, you know, Somebody to Love, and that's from Don't Stop Believing, and then there's that, you know, Halo and the Usher song, and it's just amazing to me that they put that together, and that if you really, like, go back and watch all of the old performances and then watch this, you can see how they fit all the pieces together. And, of course, uh, Kurt's Single Ladies is in there. Yep, and Kurt um, in a cowboy hat. Yep. I will take yep. that any day of the week. <laughs> He's so adorable in that cowboy hat. Oh, but yeah, great. And you know what? You know what I noticed? Actually, oh, I forgot to see who directed this episode to see if it was the same thing. Um, I have to give the Will Emma moment at the end. I, I think it's really, really well done. Um, but it's interesting now that we've seen the whole series. That moment where Will is running to Emma mm-hmm. is very reminiscent, or really the. I should say it the other way. When when Blaine runs to get Kurt in season six, it's it's actually shot the same way. I was like, what? I don't <laughs> when think I noticed like, that. Yeah. Like, they run kind of in the same way and down the same hallway, and it, the lighting is similar, and I was like, whoa. I'm going to have to, like, re-watch them consecutively. Because, yeah, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that kind of stuck out to me. That's why, I, like I said, I completely forgot to look to see if it was the same director, but I was like, whoa, Glee's kind of doing that again because it's, the whole thing is Will going to, you know, find Emma before she takes off and, like, hold on to love and blah, 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 so. Oh, wow, yeah, I'll have to rewatch that because, yeah, I didn't even notice that. I do love, I do love Blaine running for Kurt, though. I will also yeah. take that any day of the week. But, yeah, I didn't <laughs> notice that they were so similar. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. Yes, I encourage everybody to do that. So, <laughs> all right, unless unless I'm crazy and just totally saying things. I mean, Glee <laughs> likes its parallels, but it's not always that good. So. <laughs> well, I think a lot of Glee par- parallels are not on purpose. <laughs> no, I know. Because <laughs> I think they forget that they've done stuff before. <laughs> oh yeah, I I can see that completely. So. Okay, um, so let's move on to hello. And Hello kind of, um, it's interesting because Hello marks the, the start of the back nine. And I, I don't know about you, I kind of think that there is a difference in just the, how the show is done and how it shifts kind of, you know, the, the front 13 is kind of a darker quality. Um, and and the back nine is like kind of the bright and, and uh, crazy glee that kind of lasts the rest of the series. Yeah. And I, I think, too, because they say, at, I remember at some point them saying, like, the first 13 were kind of shot in a vacuum and nothing had been released yet. Right. And so I think a lot of the differences that we see in this back half is because of the reaction to the first half. Yeah. Not only to the show, but also, like, in the characters. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. It's kind of interesting because it's it, like we have this opening scene where um, Rachel and Mercedes and Kurt are walking down the hallway. And I remember they used it in um, um, the promos. Um, and it, it's kind of it's I don't remember if it really does this in the front 13, but it's kind of talking to the audience and starting to break that fourth wall in the way that Glee becomes famous for. And they're, they're like, you know, we're back and we're going to, we're, you know, everyone loves us. And and it is kind of a comment on how successful the, the front 13 were. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I watched the first and second season 
binge watching in a weekend to catch up. Um, so like I didn't get like this whole like wait for the episodes and you know so I I feel like I missed out a little bit when you binge watch a show you miss out on like the kind of like the anticipation of it. And so I missed out on a lot, but, like, going back, I think, now that I can watch it, now that the series is completely over and I know how everything's going to end, I go, going back and watching it, you, I think I am starting to pick up a little bit more on those moments like that. Oh, and it's interesting, because I, um, I watched the first 13, I binge-watched those, I didn't watch those live, but I did, I came into it about a month before, um, before the the before this one aired and it was just huge i mean i work at a bookstore and at the time i mean we had glee bookmarks we had glee posters we had glee yahtzee games glee was just everywhere so it it was just i don't know just kind of this weird huge phenomenon and it kind of that energy i think kind of um spills over into the show itself and starting with this episode. Yeah, and I think, and I think too, like, as their characters, like, I think they really do expect their, their status in the school to change now that they've won. Like, I feel like they yeah. think that they've proved themselves, so they come back, and they're all, like, they've got swagger, and they're all like, oh, look at us. And then, you know, of course, that doesn't end up being the case. No. But it does. But I could Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, and I kind of love what Glee does is that they get slushied again. And at this time, though, they're still, you know, they still have confidence in themselves because they've done it, and which is something that they were all kind of struggling in the front 13. Mm-hmm. But um, the school hasn't gotten there yet, but they have. And, and so it, for the, them as characters, they're growing, even if the school and the people around them are still trying to knock them down. Yes, and I feel like it really is this moment when they win and they kind of come back that it's it's almost like they've realized that they don't have to prove themselves to the school and to their classmates. They've proved themselves to themselves. Mm-hmm. We went, we yeah. won. We won as the underdogs that did throw a set list together at the last minute, as ridiculous as that is. But they kind of, they did this on the fly. And so I feel like they are starting to kind of feel like giving themselves a little more credit. Right. They can do this and that this is, this is fun and they are really good at what they do. Yep. Yep. Um, real quick note, this is also, we get, like Chris must have grown like a foot between <laughs> He's so tall now. <laughs> like puberty hit him late, but here it is. <laughs> this is the beginning of his whole change through puberty thing. It really starts in the back nine. It does. Yeah, his height difference cracks me up. Like seeing pictures of him and Mercedes together. Yeah, I'm just like, are you wearing high heels all the time? Like, what is this? Yeah, like go watch if you watch Alcafellas. Um, you know, episode three, and they're walking in the hallway. They're relatively the same height. And then, you know, this scene, like, he's a foot taller than she is. Yes, yeah, it cracks me up. And I, like, I know that, like, in some scenes, like, with Rachel and Finn, they put Rachel on that little box so they could film yeah. easier with, you know, <laughs> Leah's and Corey's height difference. And I was, like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, why are they doing that to him? And then I realized it was just him. He's just that tall now. Yep. He's just taller. <laughs> 
Okay, so um, moving on to, uh, you know, Will wants everybody um, to have a new beginning and hello. And he asks, what do you say when you answer the phone? And Kurt's like, no, she's dead. This is her son. And that line was, oh, that is perfect. That is a great line. And the way he delivers it where he's just kind of like, it's almost like he's bored. When he says yep. it. Like, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of, like, twirling his hair. Like, he's just like, ugh. You know, that, it does, the way Chris delivers that line is so funny. Alright, so, uh, moving on to Finn has a solo in this. And, I, you know, he does well with, um, with classic rock. Yes, he which does. Is. And, and he, he's, he's Mr. Stud in this. And I, I love the little, you know, like, Quinn's looking at him, and um, and uh, Rachel's looking at him, and then Kurt has just got this seductive <laughs> look on his face. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I want a piece of that. And I do, it's funny, because while that's not one of my favorite Finn solos, and I don't know why, because it is such this studly moment for him, but yeah, like, I think it's the first time that you really kind of see him as that that attractive stud. Like, and you kind of see, you kind of see some of the characters in season two kind of react that way to the first time to like Artie and Sam when they do the whole Justin Bieber thing. Yeah. So I kind of feel, and I hate to say it this way, but I kind of feel like that's Finn Justin Bieber moment. Oh yeah, yeah, but that makes sense, and and uh, he does it well in this little scene, and yeah, yeah, he, so. and he really he gets he gets so into it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I just I remember this. The other thing I always remember is that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, like when he's walking and he's like looking at all the girls, I'm like, you are not that big of a player. <laughs> yep. Well, it just always cracks me up though, because then in the stands, Rachel's got like, what does she have? Like a his and hers towels or something like that. I just <laughs> and she's going like crazy overboard with their relationship. And he's like, are we even in a relationship? Like, are we, yep. are we dating? Because I don't remember agreeing to this. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so um, then, of course, you know, um, that leads into Finn kind of dumping Rachel, I guess. And Rachel sings Gives You Hell, and I, for the life of me, sat and watched this, and I don't really fully understand what's going on with Cart in this scene. I don't. I'll be honest. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> I kind of thought about that too, because like I feel like several different things are happening. Like, I think, I think he's mad at Rachel. Yeah. Was there a scene cut out that we missed? I don't know. Yeah, but, but I like, is he mad at Finn, or is he mad at Rachel, or is he just mad at the world? Maybe, because, like, she tried, you know, first she singles him out when, you know, and he's like, okay, I'm not having any of this. And then he goes and sits in the side of the room and, like, is there for a majority of the number until Tina kind of, like, pulls him back in. But, it, I don't know. Is he worried about making Finn mad? Like, I, and I do wonder about that. Like, is he worried that Finn's going to be somehow mad at him if he participates in this number that's obviously made to piss Finn off? I, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I, I really don't know. Salt in the corner. I wrote. I was just reading my notes, and it's a joke. I'm like, maybe Chris just didn't care that day. <laughs> That's, that could also be true. <laughs> no, 
sure that wasn't the case. But yeah, that's always if it, you know anybody listening wants to weigh in on that specifically because I if that's eluded me every time I've watched it, I'm like I don't really understand what's going on here. But I okay, would really like to know if there was a scene cut out that we didn't get to see. That would make more sense in some respects. I don't really know what it could be, but yeah. Okay, so we go on to um, what the probably the biggest amount of cart in these three episodes um, is when uh, they find out that Jesse and and um, and Rachel, I almost said Leah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jesse and Leah. Oh, Leah's right there. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Um, are dating. And they're again. They group together. It's it's that core group, where, and they they're really protective of their glee club, and they're not going to let anybody stand in the way. Yeah. I and I, it does go back to the whole self preservation thing, but this time it kind of expands to where I'm protecting you, and you're protecting me, and we are protecting this thing. Yep. And again, I love that like. Mercedes is really gentle with her, and Tina's really gentle with her, and Kurt's like, nope, you know, you're replaceable. And I wonder, too, again, if that has if that has something to do with Kurt's jealousy of the Finn and Rachel relationship. Oh, I'm sure it does. He's like, I'm sure you just had Finn, and now you're telling me you're dating Jesse? Like, how is that fair? Yep. And then, and then you want to like, you know, you're the one that keeps claiming Glee is the most important thing, and you know, you're, you know, fraternizing with an enemy, and you know, it just he's not having any of it. No, he's, and he does crack me up when he says that she's replaceable because he just said <laughs> in the previous episode, "Damn her talent!" Like we have to have her, <laughs> and now he's like, "No, we don't. Drop you like a hot potato." Well, yeah, and even in the beginning of the episode, there he and Mercedes and Rachel are all walking down the hall like they're the greatest BFFs, and <laughs> now it's like, nope. <laughs> like, you are not needed, thanks, bye. Well, and I wonder if it's also partly, like, uh, if I'm, like, this harsh and this real to you, you know, maybe you will decide that the Glee Club is more important. And I, I do wonder, too, if it is part of that tough love. Like, yeah. Well, especially since, now that I think of it, in hierography, he she dishes it to him about Finn never, you know, Finn straight. He, you're not, he's never going to be interested in you. You have to grow up and deal with that. Yeah. And this is kind of a reverse and, like, you know, deal with, you know, the the choices that you make. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely, yeah, it definitely could be a tough love scenario where he's like, okay, everybody's being too gentle with her. She's just going to go do what she wants to do. And we can't allow that. And the only way to get through to her is to be harsh mm. yeah. so yeah um and really it's really sad that the only the only uh, kurt left in this episode is at the very end um during hello goodbye and he's dancing with quinn and it's really sweet actually that they it's sad that they didn't really have more kurt quinn moments uh, yeah um, i was gonna say that as well and i mean I love Kurt's friendship with everybody. Like, I could talk all day long about Kurt's different relationships that he has with everybody in Glee Club, but I really, really wish we got more Kurt and Quinn. The, it, you know, and that's... Uh, maybe somebody will be inspired to write a fanfic, because I think there's some really interesting parallels between Quinn and Kurt, and how, in some respects, they have certain 
personality traits yeah. that are similar, and they never really explore that on the show, and there just have been some really interesting, if, if they had teamed up together for anything, um, it would have been fascinating. I would have killed for a duet between just the two of them. Oh, yeah. I would have loved that. I think their voices together is beautiful. I love their quick little lines in One of Us. And then, and, again, in um, We Are the Champions, where they sing right mm-hmm. after each other. I just, they, they sound beautiful together. Yeah, her alto voice matches his countertenor voice. Um, and, oh, gosh, yeah. I don't know why they, I don't, I don't know. Because Glee has a tendency, once they got into their, like, these people work well together, we're going to keep them together type thing. I don't yeah, know. they found roles for everybody, and they just kind of went with it. Because, like, even Quinn and Mercedes' relationship, you know, they had, oh, you're living with me, and I want you there at the birth of my baby, but we're never going to speak after this. <laughs> exactly, which is so sad. I They could have just done a lot of really awesome things with Quinn, and they did not. Yeah, and I hate to say it, because, like, I get asked, you know, a lot, like, who's your least favorite character? And I tend to say Quinn, but it's not yeah. fault. Right. Like, I just felt like there was so much more they could have done with her, and they didn't. Right. And she has little moments, especially, um, like, in season one, near the end, and in season two. But by season three, when they've made her crazy Quinn, uh, it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of relevant things in conversations you can have about her character, but it doesn't mean that, like, I, I agree in that if somebody asks me who's my least favorite main character, I, it would be Quinn. Yeah. But it's unfortunate because there is a lot of potential there that they could have done some really awesome things with. And I think so. if we, I definitely think, and this is me just being partial to Kurt, obviously, but I think if they would have had more interaction with her and Kurt, I think she almost would have been more sympathetic. Yeah. Because there's that scene, and I think it's in... I think it's in season three. Yeah, because it's after Karofsky tries to kill himself. And she says, oh, yeah. she says something about, like, you know, after giving up her child and, you know, the hard things she, he went through. And, like, Kurt kind of snaps at her. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Kurt, you have no idea what she went through. Like, she did give up her child. Like, cut her some right. right. That moment, I was like, they could have done such great things with those two. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the... I don't know, just in some ways, like I said, they were, they're in this, on the same wavelength, then yet having totally different um, perspectives and, and um, storylines, and it's just, yeah, I don't know. They can do so much, Glee, and it's <laughs> potential for so many things, but, you know. Oh, Glee. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, that kind of um, wraps it up. Was there anything that you wanted to go over again or anything that you thought that we missed so that we should touch back on? No, I think that was good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, for joining me tonight. No, thank you for having me. This was fun. We're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a
Miss TBD Podcast, a Glee podcast discussing Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson, uploaded every Sunday night on 2daydreambelievers.tumblr.com.